South Coast Tim Weisberg here along with Silent Assassin. I'm sorry, Science Advisor Matt Monies. I haven't flubbed that in a few weeks. Welcome into the program. How are you doing tonight, Matt? All right. I actually heard from the Silent Assassin this week, actually. Did you? What did he have to say? Uh, he just wanted me to help him out with some uh, personal stuff for uh, moving and things like that. But he's doing all right. He misses being on the show, and unfortunately, because of his work schedule, he can't, you know, make it here but he's yeah. trying to get that arranged yeah he misses doing the show but you'll notice you hear from him when he needs help moving things <laughs> that's how you know when you have a true friend they only call you when they're moving all right so if he found a place he's working on it okay you know he could always crash here in the spooky studio we miss him we love him if you're out there listening silent assassin matt costa we miss you come back soon and uh but of course he doesn't want to miss the holiday season the holiday season's coming up that being Halloween season, when we've got all kinds of stuff going on. It's the most wonderful time. It is for us, at least, because we're weird. And you're weird, too. That's why we know you're going to enjoy it. It's uh, Now, for those of you who are new to the show, we're Spooky South Coast. We talk about the paranormal each and every Saturday night, but also we like to take you out and about and enjoy the world of the paranormal. And uh, we have two great events coming up in which people can do that. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Well, in a minute or two. But first, we want to let you know about what's happening tonight. Tonight, we've got a huge show planned for you. We're going to be talking with Eric Altman. He is the host of Beyond the Edge Radio, and he's also the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. He's going to be joining us to talk about Bigfoot and all other cryptid creatures. I think we're going to be talking about all facets of the paranormal with Eric, too. Uh, He does uh, an amazing job with Beyond the Edge Radio, and uh, he is just uh, one of the... I I don't know. I I have to say he's one of the most... uh, happiest research you know there's there's not a lot of drama in Eric, with eric's work you know he he finds a way to, to just do what he does and plug along and he doesn't get wrapped up in a lot of the other stuff he stays upbeat right and he does things the way that it should be done you know he, he doesn't worry about you know the controversy he doesn't worry about the drama he just goes along does the research and uh, he's also a very entertaining gentleman so we'll be having a, a great talk with him and uh, he's been a long time friend of the program but this is the first time we've ever had him on so I'm excited for that. And then later on in the show, we'll be joined by Andrew Graham. He is the director of the New Hampshire chapter of New England Anomalies Research. You've heard us talk with Keith Johnson quite frequently about NEAR. Well, uh, Andrew runs the New Hampshire chapter, and he's organizing the first annual Northeast Paranormal Expo, which is coming up the weekend of October 6th and 7th in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So we're going to talk with him about what they have planned for that event and some other things as well. Uh, Andrew's another guy that we've been trying to get on the show for a long time. He's quite popular for his lectures on string theory in the paranormal. So maybe we can get into a little bit of that with him. Uh, I know we're not going to have an entire show, and it really would take an entire show to delve into the topic of string theory and how it relates to the paranormal, but we'll do our best with Andrew a little bit later on. And, of course, we'll also take your calls. The phone lines are open throughout the entire program, 508-996-0500, 
1-877-996-1420. You can also email us during the show, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or you can jump in the chat room on SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And when we were setting things up, I noticed there was quite a bit of people already in the chat room, and I've got a little bit of access here on my cell phone over there, but Moniz is going to be the main chat room moderator over there tonight. So just if anybody has any questions or points, just shout them out. Well, they're complaining shy. about the audio, but what's what the else problem is with new? the audio? Yeah, we're all auto-tuned, apparently. Well, that I can't help. Well, do you believe in life after love? If 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 the station wants to auto-tune us because we're so off-key, there's nothing we can do about that. I wonder. I, I had a little bit of a problem the other night recording my sports show with uh, with a robotic sound. I wonder if it's something wrong with my sound card on my computer. Could be, or one of the drivers. If that's the case, then I'm uh, I'm pretty screwed. So uh, make a donation, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com via PayPal, uh, and we'll work on getting me a new laptop. It would be awesome if somebody out there was such a huge fan of the show that they just donated a laptop to us. You or know. two. Yeah, we could really use them because uh, <laughs> our uh, our stuff, just as the station starts to improve the technology in here for us to work with, our own starts to crap out on us. So we'll, we'll do what we can. And uh, I apologize if the sound is bad. We'll do what we can. We'll fix it in post, as they say. Yeah. But I had mentioned earlier that we have a, a couple of events coming up, and one of them is right here in the New Bedford area. It's going to be Supernatural Siege at Fort Tabor. It's coming up on October 12th. Now, uh, for those of you unfamiliar, we have a company called Legend Trips. It's Spooky South Coast partnering with Jeff Belanger of 30-odd minutes and Ghost Village and Ghost Adventures, and we take you out into some really cool historic haunted locations. And we already had one planned for this October, Haunted History Night, which is coming up on October 20th at the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, Massachusetts. Uh, but we had the opportunity to get into into Fort Tabor. It kind of just popped up out of nowhere. We got lucky. Yeah, and we couldn't turn down the chance. It's such an awesome location. It's a Civil War era fort. Uh, it's got uh, 47 acres of land. It's got numerous batteries around the property. And by batteries, I don't mean like, you know, double A's. You know, you'll probably find some of those too, but uh, especially after the ghost hunters have been walking around there for a while. But it, we're, we're talking about where they used to hold all the uh, equipment and the artillery. Yeah. And they are just the coolest things. One of them goes three stories underground. So uh, we're going to have the chance to investigate that as well as the fort itself. And now Fort Tabor, Fort Rodman, as it's also known, they don't let people in there. You only get to go in the fort proper twice a year for historical reenactments. So this is kind of untouched territory. There's only been two paranormal groups that have ever been in there. One of them will be on hand with us that night, Bay State Paranormal. Uh, they were the first, the very first. Uh, but it's pretty much virgin territory when it comes to paranormal investigations. So it's going to be really neat. And it's going to be a typical Legend Trips event. We're going to give you dinner. We're going to give you some lectures. We're going to give you lots of entertainment before we even get into the process of investigating for ghosts. I was talking with uh, John Brightman of New England Paranormal Research, and uh, he's launching his new website soon, paraequipment.com. But uh, I think John's going to come and have some of his equipment for sale that night. So if people actually want to buy some of the equipment that they see us use and that they see, you know, Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters and all these guys use on television, uh, John will have it there available for sale. We'll also have, of course, uh, we'll be selling my books, Jeff Belanger's books, Andrew Lake's book. And uh, we're also going to have Lou Jolly of Wailing City Ghosts there selling her new book, Dead Whispers, which is uh, is coming out very soon. And it's going to be... Uh, for me, I'm I'm very excited whenever we can get into a new place. I'm a little bit nervous about taking people 
into a place that we haven't investigated ahead of time on our own. And I just think schedule's not going to work out for us to get in there. But it always makes me a little bit nervous. I thought we're going to have a chance to get in there I don't know. Maybe we can work it out so that you guys can go down. But I know I'm not going to have time. But uh, the, the... it makes me a little nervous because you don't know what you're going to encounter, you know, well, not just from a. I was going to say, that's one of the first places I started many, many years ago before it was really open to the public. So and I can tell you that, yeah, it would be a good idea to go in and scout it out because some of the stuff is a little bit dangerous in there. In well, that's of, the thing is it's not just, you know, the, the spirits that you have to worry about, but it's also no, the, the actual physical location yeah. itself. So, uh, well, you know, we'll definitely be doing a walkthrough ahead of time. We're not going to lead you down a pit where you're going to fall and. And uh, break your leg, at least not accidentally. If we do that, it's going to be on purpose, and you deserved it. But uh, we will definitely uh, have have a fantastic experience that night, and uh, hopefully you can join us as well. And then, of course, on October 20th, I mentioned it before, Haunted History Night at the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, Massachusetts. Now, we promote it as being at the Fearing Tavern because that seems to be the spot that so many people want to get into since we've talked about it here on the show. We were the first people to ever investigate in that building, and the place just lit up for us. And it has done just the same on subsequent investigations. So people always want to get into the Fearing Tavern. That's kind of the main draw, but it's not just the tavern itself, uh, which was built in 1690. There's actually four buildings right there in that historic little corner of Wareham, and we will investigate all four. So it's going to be uh, quite the night that night uh, when you get to check out a, a chapel, a schoolhouse, a meeting house, and a tavern. You're dealing with a, a variety of different types of ghosts. We also have the general store. Uh, we're going to talk about that off the air. Okay. Yeah. It's probably not going to happen. Oh. Schedule-wise, it just doesn't fit. Oh, well. But it's there if people want to go there any other time. They certainly can. That's why... I, you know, we we highly recommend people go there, but I don't think it's going to fit into the schedule that night. We were kind of going over the itinerary, and uh, we've got it pretty much down to the minute. Okay. So, uh, but we will uh, we will definitely have four buildings for you to go to, and if if you, if that's not enough buildings for you, then I don't yeah. know what's wrong with you. Sorry. Because four is uh, <laughs> no, I just mean in general. I don't mean uh, you specifically, but um, so it's it's. Very interesting to me, anyway, the the diversity of what it is that we're investigating here in a pretty much a one week span. You know, in one era, we're in one way we're investigating. You know, what's essentially a wartime building, even though it didn't see action and it wasn't actually completed a hundred percent during the Civil War. But we have something that was used for that purpose. And we have buildings that were used as schools. We have a building that was used as a tavern and also a de facto town hall, a town jail. You know, we have a, another office. building. A, the schoolhouse also uses the post office, a chapel. I mean, there's such a, a diversity in the types of buildings that we're going to be investigating in a one-week span. It, it's kind of mind-blowing to me that we can do this, that we can bring people into such a variety of locations because so many of these events that you go to, you're going to a jail, you're going to an asylum, you're going to a hospital. You know what I mean? Like you're locked into these one types of places, which kind of brings you into one type of investigation almost. But uh, this is going to be very diverse, and we're going to have to be on our toes as as the leaders of these groups because we don't know what we're going to encounter. We don't know what's around the corner, and we're really kind of just in the beginning stages of investigating both of these places. I mean, we we haven't really had a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of data coming out of these spots. We have 
experiences that people have reported. We have evidence that they've turned in, but we haven't been able to kind of keep logging it and build a case file for it. So uh, it's kind of interesting in that regard. You know, Lizzie Borden, we kind of know what to expect, even though the unexpected always happens. <laughs> we, we kind of have an idea. We have what we think is a firm grasp on what's going on there. In these places, we don't know at all. So each time, new spirits could be coming out to play. I definitely want to uh, go into the school building again. I like that it. building. And it's it's got some stuff in it. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah. Uh, from the stories I heard, yeah, people, <laughs> some people wouldn't even go to the back of that building. So uh, if you want to go to these events, of course, uh, the tickets are $99 uh, to each event. You can get them from legendtrips.com or right on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com. You'll see them in the slideshow there. Uh, but for $99, I want to stress that a portion of every ticket sold goes back to these locations to help them maintain right. Uh, and we've donated already thousands of dollars to various historical sites uh, in, in just a couple of years that we've been doing Legend Trips. And actually, Legend Trips itself has only been around since the beginning of this year. But we've done events for a couple of years now, and we've been putting all these, all, all this money back into these places. Right. It's not so. I mean, we cover our costs, you know, the food, you know, the gas and whatever, you know, bottom line type of stuff we got to take care of in overhead and we we really don't make any money. It's the places that make the money when when we put these on. And this is what helps keep their doors open. Right. So people... Some of them is some of their biggest money makers of the year. So it's uh, it's something that we definitely are passionate about. We hope that you are as well. We have a great great group of returning uh, attendees to all of these events. And it just it it makes me feel good every time that a ticket's sold and I see the name and I'm like wow, this person comes to all of our events because you know they think that we're doing a good job and because they think that we're getting them into really awesome locations that they might not have a chance to get into otherwise. So it's, it's definitely something to check out. If you want to have a spooky experience in the Halloween season, if you've always wanted to investigate for ghosts and you've never thought you could actually do it or thought about how you could go about getting involved in it, this is the way to do it. You're going to investigate alongside us, alongside Jeff, alongside seasoned investigators, and there's also going to be other people that come that have never been there before. So if you are a seasoned investigator, you get a chance to help somebody out, to, to work alongside somebody who is experiencing things for the first time, remembering what it was that you first liked about getting involved in this field in the first place. So it, it's a really interesting mix, and usually, you know, 99% of the time, the pizza is outstanding. We haven't had bad pizza yet. No, we lucked up pretty well. And I don't plan on that happening anytime soon with the places that we'll be ordering from. So you're going to get a good meal, too. Snacks, beverages, all night on us. Ooh, I think I know where you're ordering from in the Wareham event. Uh, we're, we're still debating it. I know I know who I think is going to give us a good deal, and I, I know who people from outside of town want to get it from. So I think it'll probably be the way that we go. Ooh. And so uh, it's definitely worth you know coming out and experiencing it at least once. Come along, check it out, go legend tripping with us, and I guarantee you, you'll want to come back. $99 a ticket for each event, Supernatural Siege at Fort Tabor on October 12th, Haunted History Night in Wareham at the Fearing Tavern on October 20th. They're up for sale on legendtrips.com, and if you want, if you're coming from out of the area, or maybe you know you just don't want to go home that night and you want to crash somewhere local, we've got fantastic room deals available. Uh, for both events, there'll be a special room rate of $79 at the Hampton Inn here in Fairhaven. And uh, if you're coming from the other way 
on October 20th for Haunted History Night. We also have a room deal, uh, $70 plus tax at the Middleborough Days Inn. So we've got you covered no matter what direction you're coming in. We've got a, a nice place for you to, to crash if you don't want to drive home. And uh, they're really great deals. And, and the, the people at both locations have been immense. They, they really want to help because they've heard about these events. And they've heard about the quality of people that come out to these events. So naturally, you know, they want to open their doors to these people because they know that they're going to be, you know, coming in and they're going to be excited. They're going to be amping people up. I mean, the electricity was in the air at our Slater Mill event when we got into the hotel. You know, we could feel yeah. that vibe from everybody. You know, the people behind the counter are talking to us about like, oh, all these people are coming in. They've got cases of uh, gadgets and all kinds of stuff. And it's just it's a really cool vibe. So you can get involved in the events. You can get the room rate. All of that. Just go to legendtrips.com. Coming up in the next week or two, we're going to start putting for sale the uh, spirit medium readings with Tiffany Rice or Stephanie Burke at either event. Those are an extra $30, but you get 20 minutes with them one-on-one uh, during the event itself. So you can get a, a, a real good grasp of what spirits might be around you before you even get in there and do some investigating for other spirits. Uh, so it, we try to offer a wide variety of things. It's going to be definitely a night that you will not forget uh, if you go either October 12th or October 20th. So just go to legendtrips.com or go to the main page of spookysouthcoast.com and you can get it there. So why don't we take a break? And when we come back on the other side, we will talk with tonight's first guest, Eric Altman. He is the host of Beyond the Edge Radio, and uh, he is definitely a Bigfoot guy. So I want to talk to him about uh, some of the Bigfoot sightings in the Pennsylvania area, one of the hotspots for Bigfoot sightings. So uh, we'll be right back with Eric, and then later on we'll be joined by Andrew Graham. So stay tuned. We'll be coming up with the rest of the program here on Spooky South Coast. books off shelves from 20 feet away and scare the socks off some poor librarian. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. This looks extraordinarily bad. <laughs> Even after all these years, Bustin' still makes me feel good. <laughs> I don't know about you, Moniz, but Works for me. I, uh, I I really do like the fact that uh, as we get closer to Halloween, both Ghostbusters 1 and 2 will be on frequently on a variety of channels. I, I cannot go past it when I see it on the TV. And usually I get suckered in now because like Stars or uh, all those other channels, they'll run them back to back. So I know that once I'm in, I'm in for the night. And I will watch them repeatedly. And ho- hopefully 3 is coming out. I mean, they're, they're talking about it. They've decided to go forward without Bill Murray now. So uh, hopefully it comes out and, and they... They don't botch the legacy. I just know that some of the stories I heard over the years are not movies that I'd want to see, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, well, we are about to bring in our first guest of the evening. He is the host of Beyond the Edge Radio, and uh, he's the director of the Pennsylvania Bigfoot Society. He's a Bigfoot kind of guy, but uh, he's into all aspects of the paranormal, and we're going to talk to him about all that. He's a longtime friend of the show, but he's joining us for the first time. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one, the only, Mr. Eric Altman. There you are. Good evening, Eric. How are you? 
Good evening, Tim. Good evening, Matt. How are you gentlemen tonight? Oh, we are spooktacular. Excellent. Glad to hear it. And, Thank uh, you both we... for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're glad to have you. I can't believe it's taken this long. Uh, good things come to those who wait. <laughs> so now uh, you guys have been doing your show for quite a few years now, right? Uh, 2007? Yeah, we're coming up on our fifth anniversary in October. It's crazy, isn't it, when you start to realize, wow, you know, we've been doing this for this long and, and we haven't gone crazy from it yet. Oh, not yet, but we're working on it. That's that's the thing is people think that, uh, you know, when we talk about the topics that we talk about both on this show and on yours, they, they feel like we're spending too much time in that world and that sooner or later it's it's going to make us crazy. But it's it's not the topic that makes us crazy. It's the actual technology of trying to put a show on <laughs> that causes the most problems. I'd agree. It's everything behind the scenes that drives us insane. It's not necessarily the topics, but the work involved. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, when when you start to realize, you know, the, the hours that you put in to have a couple hours behind the microphone, I, I don't think people appreciate that. And I'm sure you've seen and, and heard some of these shows that they don't quite understand that aspect of it. <laughs> they think you just turn it on and go. Right. It, it is like a, it's like a full-time job in itself, uh, even though it's a, a part-time job. Um, it's, it's a, a full-time job in itself. It's a labor of love. Now, do you find, though, that uh, in the time that you've been doing this, that uh, you, you found a new appreciation for the subject matter by, by talking about it each week and looking at it from different angles? Actually, I do. I, I really get the opportunity to uh, hear things from kind of uh, the other side of, of the, the microphone, so to speak. You know, I get to ask questions um, from kind of uh, looking at it from a, I guess you kind of say like a, a spectator position you know I, I get to look at it where i, I want to learn what the researcher is doing rather than me being the researcher and, and investigating i want to know what the uh, investigator is looking into as far as uh, the cases and their experiences so yeah i do get a greater appreciation for what you know the topics are the guests uh, the work they're doing but that is the important part is you do have to kind of detach yourself uh from what it is that you're talking about it's okay to bring your own knowledge and your own experience to it but I find that too often the, the chance is there to cloud the interview and to cloud what the guest has to say by peppering it with too much of your own opinion. I, I totally agree. And what I try to do with my interviews, uh, especially with the guests that I'm not familiar with, is I, I'll, I'll look at their bio and a, a little bit about their work just to get myself familiar with it. But I don't want to learn a lot about what they do. I don't want to learn uh, about their books or, or their research because I want to learn as the audience learns. Uh, so that way I'm not biased about uh, their work or their material. That is key. Like It has to be an organic conversation. It can't just be uh, a list of talking points or a list of questions and then go from there because it doesn't really lead to a very good conversation. It leads to... Makes it sound canned. Yeah, and it just leads to what's... In, there's a difference between an interview and a conversation. And uh, that, that's what we always strive for. We strive to have a, a conversation. It's kind of like you and I are just talking and there's thousands of people just happen to be listening in. Exactly. That's that's what we try to do as well. We, we want to we want to kind of feel like you're sitting around a coffee table, you know, enjoying a cup of coffee or you know a glass of iced tea, like friends just hanging out and having fun. Now, has there been any shows that you've done though that you've been left scratching your head and saying, you know, there's there's uh, so much I'm willing to believe, and and this one might go a little bit beyond, beyond uh, beyond the edge. Beyond, of course. <laughs> oh, sure. There are, there are a couple of shows that we've done that. You just kind of sit there and you scratch your head, like you said, and you wonder, wow, that was uh, 
a little more than I was prepared for, but uh, there's all kinds of crazy things in this wi- this wide world that we're just uh, you know starting to scratch the surface on and, and starting to learn and appreciate. And and I'm open-minded enough to uh, you know I guess look at the possibility, and I don't discount anything. Um, but there are some topics and some guests we've had on that I just kind of sit back in my chair and go, that was different. Yeah. The, so have you had Commander Sani Sita one? <laughs> because. Not yet. <laughs> that's, if there's ever a, a if there's ever a guess that's going to push you to the limits of just what you're willing to believe, it's uh, it's Commander Sani. I don't know if you're familiar. She's the reincarnated Roswell alien. I have not talked with her yet. <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely have to get her on the show. I'll make a mental note of that. <laughs> <laughs> mental being the key word there. <laughs> Fashion your tinfoil helmet now. Yes. I'll get it ready. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> So do you find the, the with Beyond the Edge Radio, I mean, of course, uh, cryptid research is, is your main forte, uh, but you do seem to have a, a hand in all things paranormal. Uh, do you find that your interests guides the topics that you have on the show? I mean, do you kind of – I know that you're very into the, the cryptid world, very into the UFO world, being in hot spots for, for both. Uh, is that kind of the guiding force behind your program? Actually, what we tried. I work with uh, Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters blog, and uh, he and I both have input in the show. Um, we just welcomed back uh, one of our former co-hosts, uh, Sean Forker, to the program, and he has a crypto background as well. So we kind of have uh, input from the three of us into the program, and and uh, we, we try to look at the situation as to what's going on right now as far as uh, the news, the, the latest paranormal events and the latest crypto events, and and see kind of what the hot topic is. And if, if something is really hot going on right now, making big news, we want to, of course, try to get that guest on um, to talk about that hot topic if mm-hmm. we can. But uh, you know, we're, we all try to kind of um, give our own type of input. You know, we, we try to cover all a- aspects of the paranormal. Um, we each have our own uh, fortes. We each have our own uh, personal favorites. And we try to mix it up a little bit. Of course, we don't want to get too stagnant on one particular topic each each week. Um, we don't want to get too top heavy on cryptos or um, too top heavy on ufology. You know, we want to try to mix it up a little bit. So, um, of course, we we always always reach out to the uh, the public as well. We want to know who they want to hear. Um, is there a specific topic that they would like to hear more of? And we all that goes into play when we uh, we pick guests and bring them on the show. So there's a lot that goes into it. See that—that's kind of the trap that I fell into before I—I uh, I so graciously forced Chris Balzano to be our <laughs> content director. No, he volunteered for the job, but uh, before I, you know, before Chris was involved and I and I relinquished some of the booking duties to him, I found I was getting kind of bogged down in too much of the ghost stuff. And and having Chris involved has helped us spread out to a variety of different subject matters, some of which I never would have thought to go. And I think that it's important, like you said, to open it up to the audience, too, because it should be about what they want to hear. But at the same time, too, it is about our own learning journey and uh, our, our way of finding new topics to, to pique our interest in, and new avenues for our own research. I totally agree. Uh, we, we've covered some interesting topics outside the paranormal realm as well. Like um, during the Halloween season last year, we had uh, folks on that, that uh, put on an annual haunted house here in the local area. We have them come on and talk about their what they do every year as far as decorating the house and some of the charities that they, they uh, do for the haunted house. And, and we even found out that uh, one of the haunted houses they put on when they first started was actually haunted. Uh, no pun intended, <laughs> but um, 
it's interesting to have these kind of guests on. We had um, from the National Hunters Convention out in Philadelphia a few years ago, we had those folks on come on and talk about their event. So we try to, to mix it up a little bit. Um, we try to get into the metaphysical, maybe some alternative medic medicines, um, different topics like that, stuff that just isn't paranormal, but, you know, off-topic kind of uh, subjects as well. Now, who's your all-time favorite guest? Oh, boy, that's a really hard question because we've had so many fantastic guests over the year. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to be biased here and say my, my favorite guest has to be Stan Gordon, my mentor. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. He's also one of the best guests we've had, too. <laughs> nice guy. Really, really nice guy. And most people don't realize he's into all kinds of things. It's not just UFOs. He's into crypto, and he has a slight interest in the paranormal as well. That he does, and he's a wealth of knowledge. He's been doing this over 50 years, and uh, I've known him since I was 13. I followed his work, and, and he and I are, are very close friends. As I said, he's my mentor, and uh, I've had the opportunity to work with him on multiple cases. And to have someone that, like that in your life with, with experience, people don't understand that in the paranormal field. To have someone like that is, is such a blessing to learn from and to jump on that opportunity i wouldn't if, if anybody had the opportunity to jump on it i tell them to grab it and run with it yeah you couldn't have picked a better mentor i i respect his work highly and i do as well and the questions popped up in the chat room about who my favorite guest is of all time everybody knows anybody that listens to spooky south coast knows i rave about him all the time our gary patterson best guest of all time oh he's fantastic and i love my my favorite night was the night that moniz wasn't here Costa wasn't here. They didn't show up for various reasons. It was just me trying to drive the ship for the first time. Pretty much, I think it was, it was the first time I was there by myself. And there's no do-overs when you're working live like that. But I, uh, I fumbled through the technology, but I had a chance to talk one-on-one -on -one with Gary. And it really was like a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I, I tuned out the fact that we were on the radio. I wasn't in the chat room. And it was just us talking. And it just it's mind-blowing uh, when, when people are able to... Uh, have such a wealth of knowledge about something and you have the opportunity as a host to just pick their brain about it. And and we're dealing with people who uh, and we've been fortunate enough, both our show and yours to, to have people who are beyond respected for what they do. I mean, they're trailblazers, they're innovators. They are the definers of what the subject matter is that you're talking about. I agree. I agree completely. Now, of, you know, of course your show is on Sunday nights from eight to 10. And uh, now you have a mixture. Some of your shows are recorded and some of them are live. Is that how it works? Well, we were doing some recorded shows for a, a while, um, probably for about three or four months. We took uh, some time off. They moved our time, time slot around um, as we were adjusting to the new network. But now we're uh, completely live, 8 to 10 p.m. on Sunday nights. That's Eastern time. And uh, we do the, the podcast up on Podomatic for those who missed a live show. So and we're back live now. Well, there's there's nothing like being live and being without a net. I know it's great, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you when you talk to some of the people that we talk to in this field, you know, you never know where they're going to go with things, and and to to have them with a live microphone is sometimes scary. Sometimes it's scary to have us with a live microphone too. Yeah, it, it is. It's a lot of fun, and, and I got to throw this out there real quick. Um, and I've been plugging this on this show. I cannot wait. I am so excited. I get to have Matt on the show in about two weeks. Mr. Moniz will be joining us, and then you, Tim, and Christopher Balzano will be joining us for our special Halloween show coming up at the end of October. 
Guys, I am so excited to have both of you gentlemen on the program. I can't wait. Oh, we're glad to be joining you. I was going to say, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel if you're grabbing us. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest with you guys, I've, I've really respected your work and what you've done for years. And I am so thrilled to have both you guys coming on. I can't wait to talk to you, Matt, about the work you've done. And uh, especially your work in ufology. I know you've done some great work and, and really looked into some great cases. Um, and I'm really excited to talk with you about that. And the book that you've put out, Tim, you and Christopher, the latest book that you put out about the haunted possessions, I can't wait to talk to you about that. You know, and it's something that as uh, is, is we get closer to Halloween, you know, more and more people are, are talking about it. I'm, I put in a, a, Google news fee, a Google News alert for our haunted objects, you know, in case a, a review or anything popped up about the book. And I'm getting all these news reports about objects. And I think, you know, with the book coming out and, of course, more importantly, with Haunted Collector being on Sci-Fi Channel, we're hearing more and more reports about this stuff. And I just think that it's it's kind of on the forefront of people's minds. I mean, I'm going to yard sales and flea markets, and people are looking at stuff with a, a raised eyebrow now. Oh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I have a coworker um, that I'm pretty good friends with, and he was talking about possibly having a, a haunted mirror that uh, he was given um, from a relative that he had in his home, and he put it up. And once it was up in his home, strange things started happening, rapping on the walls, doors closing on their own, hearing footfalls throughout the house. And this went on for quite some time. And he, he knows I'm into the paranormal, and he asked me what he should do with it. And I said, well, Cover it's up to you. Point. You can either take it down, put it in your garage, get rid of it. If you're not comfortable with it, leave it up. It's entirely up to you. So he took it down, put it out in the garage, and the activity kind of ceased. And he, he told me about it. I said, well, then leave it in the garage if you're, you know, if you're happy with it how things are, he put it back up in the house and it started up again. Well, <laughs> it could be an overactive imagination on your part. It could be a lot of things. I can't really say because I'm not there to see or witness what's going on, but if you're more comfortable with it in the garage, leave it in the garage. And that's the thing is like people have to realize that uh, some of the factors that, that cause these things are so minute that when you're having a problem and then you find something that makes that problem go away, just stick with it. Don't experiment. If you don't want it there, just go with what's working. Right, exactly. Now, uh, do you do a lot of live interaction with uh, with listeners while you're on the show? While it be, while it's live, I mean, do you take calls? Do you do you, I know that you do the chat room on the website. Yeah, we do have a, we have a toll free number that we invite listeners to call in and talk with the guests or talk with us. We do a, an open mic night occasionally, probably the once every couple of months. We uh, we talk about just what's going on in the world of the paranormal, uh, anything that's uh, happening as far as um, big news or anything as far as uh, the television programs that are going on event-wise, that sort of thing. And then we invite callers to uh, join the conversation and uh, what, whatever, whatever hot topic is going on at that moment to call in and, and discuss with us. And uh, sometimes we get a lot of people to call in and join the conversation, sometimes not so many, but uh, we try to be as interactive as we can with our listeners. I got a question. Now, we get lots of emails that come in all the time. I'm sure you get a, a, a good portion yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I would say a, at least 95% of the uh, emails we get are all positive about what they're learning about the paranormal from the shows. Would you Would you say yours is about the same? Yeah, I, I would say we we get a lot of positive feedback and a lot of positive feedback about the guests and topics. Yes. Okay. So, does does that make you feel better about what you're doing? It must, 
right? It does. Uh, I mean, our goal really isn't to uh, to be popular or to to be on TV or to, you know to make a big name for ourselves. Our goal is to, to educate. educate the public, yeah. and our goal is to hopefully bring uh, some important information data into people's lives or to help people if they need it. And if we get that email back from somebody saying, hey, I didn't know about this subject, or you really helped me understand this subject, or I really appreciated this guest, they really brought some closure to this, that really makes us feel better because we're doing our job. Yeah, it makes it worth doing. I've also come to a realization, though. If, If people like what you're doing, they contact you. If they don't like what you're doing, they just talk about it to everybody else on the internet. Right. Well, <laughs> so. That's true. <laughs> well, as you know, Tim, we get the um, the occasional, let's call them hate letters, but it's the people that don't like the subject matter in the first place. You're looking at demons. You're or you just know, people you're, that are outright nuts, yeah. like that last one that I got. Where, yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes you get those ones where people are telling you, like, you know, they they need to deliver your soul for you and those type of things. So. Those those kind of get printed out and hung up on the office wall, you know? We've gotten those, too. There you go. <laughs> Maybe it's the same guy. Yeah. It could be. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd, uh, I'd have a lot, a lot of respect for the guy if he was doing that. He's making his rounds. So uh, we've got about four minutes left uh, in, in this hour. When we come back after the news, I want to talk to you more about your work, uh, especially in the cryptid field, because this is something that I, I think touches upon so many aspects of the paranormal. There's, there's those who are of the strict mindset of, hey, these things are legitimate physiological creatures. Uh, they're just undiscovered creatures, and, and we haven't been able to catalog, catalog them yet. Uh, and then there's other people that are like, these could be transdimensional beings. These could be some other type of, uh, of creature altogether. So in the, in the three minutes before we uh, go into the hour, I won't ask you uh, what your thoughts are about that, but we will definitely talk about it. Uh, coming up in the second hour. Uh, but earlier in the show, I was talking about how we do the Legend Trips events, and that's our chance to bring people into some of these haunted spots and, and hopefully have them experience ghosts on their own. But do you ever take people out, general people, lay people out in, in searching for Bigfoot? Actually, we do. And we just uh, finished up two weekend expeditions here in Pennsylvania last weekend and the weekend prior. Uh, we offer what we call them public expeditions to go, come out with uh, researchers such as myself and other members of our group, and we take them into areas that we've been doing field research and conducting field research in for years, and we know that there have been either recent sightings or historical sightings and activity reported, and we take them out with us, and we don't guarantee any activity. We don't guarantee anything to happen. We just say, come on out with us. It's totally free. Um, they're responsible for, the, of course, their own meals and transportation, everything like that. We don't provide that. But we just take them out kind of as, as a guide into these areas. Um, we take them out at night for night observations and, and just say this is what we do. We show them the tools we use. We, show them, uh, we take them on hikes. We show them the areas we go to. And if something happens, great. They get to experience that. But at least they're in that environment. They're out there you know, seeing what research we do. And they get to see that it's not all uh, glamour and, and uh, lights and camera and action. It right. can be quite boring at times. But, yeah, we do offer those expeditions uh, probably about three or four times a year, actually. And uh, do, do you find that uh, people report things happening? Or do you think that having those people out there kind of scare them back a little bit? Actually, these last two weekends, we've had, they were quite active surprisingly we had uh, quite a, a bit of activity on both weekends and we had some uh, new people come out with us that uh, and i'll share with this, this with you after the break um, that, that walked away really shaken up by the experience that they had on this past weekend's expedition out with us all right well we will definitely talk about that and of course 
We'll talk about a variety of other things. If you want to get in touch with us uh, in the next hour, you can call in any time, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Email SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com or jump in the chat room on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. But we are going to take a break right now for the news. Uh, when we come back on the other side, more talk with our guest, Eric Altman, Beyond the Edge Radio. And uh, then later on in the show, we will talk to Andrew Graham of Near the New Hampshire Chapter about the first annual Northeast Paranormal Expo. So I know I'm not going to be able to make it because that's my wife's birthday weekend, but Moniz, the invite is open to you if you want to go. So uh, we'll just give me the particulars. We will. Well, now that you're mobile, you, yeah. <laughs> you can get around. All right, we'll be right back with more coming up here on Spooky South Coast. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, playing the World Pretend That Never Happened game. (laughs) (laughs) Technology. Working without a net, like we said. So apparently the sound issues have been cleaned up on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com. We have no idea how, but it happened, so we're grateful. Yep. Roll with it. Yep. As uh, as Chris Balzano says, roll tide. Mm -hmm. So uh, (laughs) that's what we'll do. And uh, he's trying to make that a thing, so... I just blew up a spot on the radio, but there you go. And uh, also, uh, <laughs> if you ever do have any uh, technical issues with Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, while the show is live, of course, you can always go to the WBSM feed, which is at the bottom of the Spooky TV page, which is uh, another way to hear the audio. I don't know if it syncs up exactly with you know, what we're doing here, so I, I may look like a Godzilla movie while I'm talking on the close-up shot, but... That's uh, that's another way of hearing the show. So there's uh, so many ways. And, of course, you most of you listen on podcasts. We thank you for that. But uh, you definitely have to get involved with the chat room during the live show. There's nothing like that. Whether you're listening on Spooky TV or whether you're listening on WBSM, the chat room is there for you to interact with. And, and we've got some characters in there. That's to say the least. <laughs> so feel free to go in there and join them anytime. And I, I do find that uh, our, our audience is like a family to us. And like any good family... We just rip each other apart <laughs> all the time, which is what makes the chat room so much fun. Dysfunction at its best. Absolutely. Now, do you find, Eric, uh, that in the uh, Beyond the Edge chat room, is, is it a lot of the same thing? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your question, Tim. Uh, I was just wondering if, uh, if you know, you find that your, your regulars come back and, and they're interacting during the chat room during the show and, you know, going off on tangents, talking about other things, and then, you know, occasionally ripping, each other, ripping on each other like all good families do. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's like that, I think, in every chat room. And uh, it's a lot of fun, but sometimes it's hard as a host, if you're reading it, uh, to keep up with the discussion that you're having on the show because you want to jump into the discussion they're having in the chat room. I've become quite good at multitasking. (laughs) I had to turn things over to Moniz myself, so (laughs) a little too distracting for me. Now, uh, before we took the break uh, at the news there, we were talking about when you bring people out in these public uh, investigations, uh, these public excursions to look for Bigfoot, and you said that you had something really interesting happen recently. 
Yes. Uh, as I was uh, mentioning, um, two weeks ago we had uh, started our first of two expeditions we did in two different parts of the uh, state. One we did in southwestern Pennsylvania in Fayette County, and uh, that's been a, an active area in Pennsylvania now since uh, well, it's been active for a long, long time, but uh, it recently uh, became very active in 2009 and has remained active with a lot of reports, sightings, uh, footprint discoveries, audio uh, claims, and um, just activity in general has been going on in that area for the last three or four years. And uh, central, western central Pennsylvania, Clearfield County, there's been a lot of activity going on up there for about the last 10 years. And we've focused a lot of our research in those areas. And when we do these expeditions, we take a small group, about 20 to 25 people out in the, the forest with us. And uh, we took a new couple out in the, uh, the woods with us. They're interested in Bigfoot. And this is just uh, two of a group of people that wanted to come out to the public. And they were interested in becoming Bigfoot researchers and finding out about you know, what the group's about and what research is about. And they've never been in the woods to do field research, and, and this was their first time out with us. And uh, we took them to a location where there had been sightings and where our members have had experiences uh, ranging from uh, rocks being thrown at them to hearing the wood knocking, uh, finding large foot impressions in the ground. And uh, there, like I said, have been sightings in this uh, wooded area, um, this mountainous area, before. And um, we had uh, arrived at this location. And uh, just to give you an idea, it's a, it's a pretty rural area. It's in a mountain area, mountainous area in a state forest. And uh, from the closest town, we're about eight, eight and a half miles. So uh, we're pretty, pretty deep in the woods, and uh, it's very dark. We park the vehicles. Uh, we get set up. And uh, the couple, you can tell, they're a little nervous about getting out of the vehicles and walking back into the forest with us. So they, they decide they're going to stay in their truck, which I can completely understand. Being their first time out, they want to stay and where it's safe and where they're you know, feel comfortable with. So, okay, that's great. We give them some walkie-talkies. We say, you know, stay here, stay comfortable, stay where you're, you're, you feel safest at, and sure. uh, if anything happens, get a hold of us. Well, about uh, an hour and a half, maybe two hours into the investigation, our night investigation, um, one of our uh, members' wives was staying back at the truck with her sons, and, uh, of course, this new couple was in their truck, and they're, they start talking back and forth, and they're asking each other, was that you? No, was that you? No, it wasn't me. And as it turns out, um, the, the new couple had gotten out of the truck. Um, the husband got out to stretch his legs, and the wife got out to use the restroom. And while she's doing her thing um, on the uh, opposite side of the truck, something walked out of the forest on two legs, approached her from behind, and she heard the footfalls, very heavy footfalls, come up from behind. And she started asking, Carrie, is that you, thinking it was uh, one of our members' wives who was in the truck? and called out a couple times for her, and it wasn't her. Called out to her husband, and her husband, of course, was on in the front of the truck, leaning against the front of the truck, smoking a cigarette. And he answered, and he said, what do you want? I'm up here. She said, well, then who's walking up behind me? And she kind of panicked and stood up very quickly and started yelling, get in the truck, get in the truck, as this thing started to approach her. Well, she turned around and just dove right in the truck, and he turned around with a flashlight, just to, in time to hear this thing walking quickly off into the forest. He didn't get a good look at it, but he heard it walking quickly off uh, into the forest away from them. She's freaking out, uh, very shook up. He started freaking out because she was panicking. He dove in the truck, shut the car doors, and they're calling for us on the radio to come back to the trucks as quickly as possible. Uh, one of our members' wives, Carrie, she's calling for us to come back. 
we finally get back to the trucks, our team, and we're asking them what happened, and they're recounting their story to us that while she was doing her thing there, um, something approached them from out of the woods, very heavy footfalls, and, and Carrie corroborated that, saying it sounded to her like someone was slamming a car door repeatedly, that heavy thud sound. And she said she didn't see anything, but she heard it getting closer and closer and closer. And that's when uh, the woman, the, the, the newbie, as I want to call her, she mm-hmm. freaked out. And she said it was probably within 25 feet of her before she started freaking out. And uh, she jumped in the truck, and they stayed in the truck the rest of the night while we all scoured the area looking for prints and looking for branch breaks. And uh, in the darkness, we couldn't find anything or see anything. And by the time we, we were pretty deep in the woods, by the time we made it back to the trucks, anything that we could find on our thermal flares, heat signatures of uh, track impressions on the ground or anything broken-wise, we, we couldn't find anything in the, in the forest. But uh, it shook them up so badly that um, the, the husband, when he was pointing out the direction that whatever this was, walked off, and his hands were shaking, his voice was trembling. And he, he said to me, he said, well, I don't know how you guys do this, I don't think I could ever do this again. And I said, well, this is very rare for what we deal with. Usually when we come out here in the woods, it's very quiet, and we don't have anything happen. It's just a a dull night sitting in the forest listening to your normal insects and uh, tree frogs or peepers, you know, that sort of thing. Very rarely do we have anything happen. So if something did indeed happen to you, perhaps it was a Bigfoot, if that were the case, it's a very rare occasion, and you should feel very honored because that doesn't happen. And uh, they were very apprehensive about coming out the next night. So they did. Um, they didn't stay very long the next night. About 10 or 15 minutes, they had enough, and they left. <laughs> so, um, but the next day, after they had their encounter, we returned to the area. Uh, we spread out in a very long line of probably about 15 or 20 researchers, and, and we did a grid search looking for uh, footprints, looking for broken brush, trample brush, anything we could find showing sign of any kind of large animal moving through that area. Uh, We did find some large impressions in the ground. We couldn't determine what left them. Uh, A lot of leaf clutter, a lot of very hard soil uh, on the ground. Uh, But we didn't find anything to really jump out and say that a Bigfoot had walked up behind her. Um, Unfortunately, all we really had to go by was their personal experience. But it was enough that it shook them up pretty badly. So. Well, I, I I know that when we do our legend trips events, we have people sign a waiver mm-hmm. uh, to say that you know we're not responsible for anything that happens. And, and when we do that, we're not necessarily worried about the the paranormal aspect of it, but it's just in case somebody gets hurt, or you know somebody trips and falls, or you know stumbling around in the dark goes down a flight of stairs or something. It just protects us legally. Uh, right. Of course, we we try to make everything as safe as possible, but we just ask them to sign it because it's an extra layer of protection for us. I can only imagine what you might feel the liability factor is <laughs> bringing people out looking for Bigfoot in addition to, you know, walking around out in the woods in the dark and, and that type of thing. But also if somebody does encounter one of these, you know, we don't know how it's going to react to our presence there. Right. And we sign, we have them sign liability waivers as well um, for the legal aspects. And we, we try to keep everybody as safe as possible. Um, yes, some of our members do carry sidearms and it's not necessarily for, um, shooting a Bigfoot, we don't endorse that. We don't condone that. Coyotes. But, yeah, it's for coyotes. It's for bear. It's for um, anything that we might run into snakes. We run into rattlesnakes out there, of course. Crazy people. <laughs> exactly, Matt. Exactly. So we do carry uh, sidearms for protection for that aspect of things. But 
we, we want to keep everybody as safe as possible when we're out in the force. That's our main priority. But uh, when they decided to stay at the trucks, we felt that was in their best interest and, mm-hmm. to do so. And we, we encourage that if that's what makes them feel safe and it keeps them safe, that's what we want them to do. And, and just a little bit of a PSA here, you know, it's only in the commercials that messing with Sasquatch is actually a good idea. <laughs> Don't do it in real life. Uh, so Even in the commercials, it turns yeah, out it turns to be a bad, bad idea. idea. But uh, So you had mentioned earlier, I think you said that you were 13 when you first started uh, contacting Stan Gordon. Right. So you, you've been researching uh, cryptids for quite a long time. Yeah, I, I actually got started in this when I was 10 years old. Um, you guys probably remember the movie Legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's the catalyst that got me involved in, in all this craziness. That and Creature from Black Lake, those two films got me started in the, the study of all things pretty much paranormal. And, and well, whereas most kids would probably uh, develop uh, an interest in the scary side of it, uh, you develop an interest in, in proving its existence. Yeah, I, I, wanted to, I was so intrigued by the movie, the, the possibility that there could be some kind of wild man or or half man, half ape running around the swamps of South Arkansas, I wanted to find out. And I started reading books and magazines, newspaper articles, following Stan Gordon's work. I had to know. Uh, it wasn't so much just the scare, the scare factor, but it was wanting to know, is this real? And that that's re- still drives me to this day. And now uh, in, in the research that you do today, I mean, I'm sure it's a lot different than you did back then. I'm sure back then it was a lot of reading up and, and you're know, looking into the actual zoology side of things and, and seeing what the possibilities are that it could be. And now that you've been out in the field, you've been researching it, you've been having uh, a, a wider variety of theories at your disposal. Uh, what have you discovered over the years has been your... Uh, kind of your predominant theory of what's going on? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I really don't have a theory at this point. Um, Excellent. I love when somebody can actually say that. I really don't. There was a lot of things I thought I knew years ago, but uh, the more experiences I have in the woods, the more I read, the more I, I have personal experiences, the more questions I have. I really just, I don't have an answer for a lot of things yet. And it gets stranger and stranger the more I get deeper and deeper into this uh, what was one of your most profound encounters uh you know out in the research of one of these creatures i mean what personally uh i'm sure that you've probably had uh nights where as you said there's a lot of times where nothing goes on and i think that that's probably just as important because that attunes you to the environment and then you get to see kind of like a ghost hunter would go through and debunk what could be some of the causes of activity in, in a haunted location, you're able to go in there and kind of debunk what some of these reports could be. You say, okay, there is this creature in the area, and it could be perceived as being a Bigfoot. But I'm sure there's been some nights that you've been out there that the hair on the back of your neck has stood up. Oh, yeah. There's been nights out there when I've had rocks thrown at me, and I have a thermal flare, and I'm looking right in the direction where the rocks are coming from. And I don't see anything. There's no heat source there. There's no heat signature. Hmm. I go approaching that that sound or that noise coming from the woods, and there's no cause for it. Uh, I have no explanation of why there's no there's no source for that sound or there's no source for the wood knocking. Uh, that's happened on several occasions where we've been deep in the forest. There's nobody else out there. There's no flashlights. There's no cars parked out there. To have somebody running around the woods in, in pitch darkness without a light source is just pure insanity. 
And to have these things happen to you out there at 3 o'clock in the morning and not have a rational explanation for it, it just boggles the mind. When you, hmm. Especially when you can't see something on a FLIR, a heat right. signature, you're, you're thinking to yourself, okay, what is causing that rock? And you, you see the rock at the ground, or you, you hear the rock at the ground 10 feet away from you, and you can pick up that rock and hold that rock in your hand and know it came from your left. And you look to your left with a, a thermal FLIR, and there's nothing there. It, it boggles your mind. It that, really does. It, it, that's very interesting because I would have expected you to say, you know, a, a rock is thrown at me. I turn, I point my FLIR at it, and I'm getting a heat signature of what looks to be, you know, something seven feet tall and, and roughly, you know, three feet wide. You know, I would expect like that type of description. I would not expect you to say there's no heat signature at all because that's evidence that it, it's something that goes beyond just the physical nature. And, and to be honest with you, that's not the first time it's happened. And I'm not the only one it's happened to. We've had several members in our group and independent Bigfoot researchers who've gone out with us who've come back with the same experiences where they've had the, the, the FLIR camera set up and the, the rock would start flying and they'd look and there'd be nothing there to support it. Now, whether these creatures are adept to hiding behind a tree and blocking out their heat source or crouching behind a rock and uh, being able to hide their heat source... We don't know, but it makes absolutely no sense. And, and there's been several occasions where that's happened, and I have no explanation for it. Like I said, this gets stranger and stranger to me as, as time goes on. Now, I, am the, I, I still am of the firm belief that these creatures are terrestrial creatures and they are of a flesh-and-blood type of animal, mm-hmm. but there are still some questions that I don't, I'm not able to answer. But you are referencing the fact that there are some theories out there that they could be extraterrestrial beings, and that's why there's so many UFO sightings in similar areas as Bigfoot sightings, and that they could also be transdimensional beings uh, you know, that kind of blink into our existence for a brief period and then blink back out. Uh, now, as you said, though, those are, are, are not the theories that you subscribe to necessarily. But uh, I would think that even if something's throwing rocks at you from behind a tree or behind a rock you would at least catch that heat signature of their arm coming out to do that you know the, there'd no, be some sort of telltale sign the, bear in mind FLIR requires a line of sight it has to be able to have a clear view to the heat source if it's behind leaves and mm-hmm. branches and other things as it's diffused it's not going to pick it up most people don't realize that FLIR can't see through glass so if you, I mean, if you're ever being chased by the cops in a helicopter, hide behind a you know sliding glass door, and they'll never see you. But there are there are a lot of limitations to FLIR. It's a good tool, but it isn't the magic tool that everybody makes it out to be in terms of its scientific principles. It can be easily defeated. Right. Well, it sounds like Bigfoot certainly figured it out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's simple tactics. Hide behind things. I mean, the FLIR is only going to be able to see it if it's in its direct line of sight. But, uh, but, Eric, that would mean that we are assigning a kind of a high level of thought process to these creatures as well. Well, exactly. And if that's the case where they are able to hide, that does show a very high level of intelligence where they're, they're intelligent enough to know that if they hide and uh, they're going to stay out of sight, then they're going to stay out of our line of sight. Well, if anybody has any questions for Eric uh, about either Beyond the Edge Radio or his work researching Bigfoot sightings, uh, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Email it to a spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com or jump in the chat room at SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com. And what I, what I find uh, is the most 
interesting aspect of Bigfoot sightings from a beginning level. Uh, Sure, there's all these different theories, all these different uh, sightings and evidence that have people going in different directions. But what I find to be the most interesting is the amount of reports that come in from a variety of different types of locations. You know, it's not just out in the Pacific Northwest where there's miles and miles of, of woodland for them to hide in. We get reports in, you know, the, the smallest patches of woods too is for example, you know, we had the, the Cape Cod coyotes here in Massachusetts where they had come as the wolves. Yeah. And they had come from across the bridge. Somehow they got across the Bourne Sagamore bridge and uh, they had actually made their home in the Bourne rotary. You know, so here they are, these wild creatures that are living in what is essentially a postage stamp of land. And it seems like Bigfoot is seen both way out there in the middle of nowhere, but also in these little small spots. Yeah, it, it baffles me how they, they can appear and people have these sightings in these small patches of woods, like you said. And the same thing happens here in Pennsylvania. I get reports of, from folks that are seeing these um, creatures in in a very small section, you have to scratch your head and wonder, how did they get in this this area without all these other people seeing right. this creature? It, it, does, it does baffle me as to how they get there and how they're not sighted by other people. Um, and you almost have to wonder, okay, well, is it a case of misidentification or is it a case of uh, hallucination? Um, there's there really something else going on here that we're we're just not aware of. There's other, I think there might be other factors involved than just a legitimate sighting going on. I really don't have an answer as to why people are seeing them in these small patches of woods. But these reports aren't just something that's recent. Um, doing my homework on this, as long as I have, I found out there's historical reports from all over the United States dating back to the 1700s, 1800s, not just uh, in the Pacific Northwest, but from all over the country. And Native Americans had reports of these creatures, too. Correct, yes, all over the country. There's there's tales from, if you go back and look in, look in history, there's hundreds of tribes from all over the country that talk about these creatures in different uh, different locations throughout the, the continent. When I look at the uh, sightings, though, at least in, in like I said, I've, I've kind of only had a, a cursory glimpse into Bigfoot research. But when I look into it, you know, you do see a lot of similarities in the descriptions. Uh, is is there anything that you've either heard or experienced yourself that is really out of the norm for what we think would be a Bigfoot creature? Um, a lot of the descriptions, are, there, a lot of them are similar, but I really wouldn't say out of the norm. I mean, you get the size variations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get the, the 12 to 15-foot tall creature reports, and those I, I really have to wonder about if maybe those aren't embellishments or... Uh, or perhaps a misjudgment in size. I oh, think sure. When you're the, when you're scared, you might have a different perspective on things. Right. I think people unfortunately have uh, a bad perspective on size, if, especially if they're startled or uh, driving, or you know, if your if your senses are uh, skewed from uh, shock, I think your your ability to judge may be completely off. Like um, like every time my wife tells me that she saw a spider in the house, it's always like as big as a cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a good point. But um, I, I honestly don't I don't know of any cases where. Um, That's a good question. I'm but, trying but, to think of any cases in general that that may be out of the norm. A lot of the cases that they always seem to, to fit the general description. Now, some of these things I may not put in the same category as Bigfoot, like. Um, 
out here in, in southeastern Pennsylvania, they have these creatures called the Albert Witches, or um, as they translate into English, the Apple Snatchers, that are four-foot-tall creatures covered in hair. I wouldn't necessarily categorize those as Bigfoot-like creatures, um, but they were um, the Susquehannock Indians talked about these types of creatures, and they might be just um, folklore. We really don't know at this point. You know, I've never had the opportunity to talk with a Susquehannock uh, tribes member to find out you know, what the real history is, but um, that might be a case where you know, it, it's similar in, in description as far as hair-covered creature, but really not a, um, a Bigfoot. So is it, is it possible then that we're probably dealing with one kind of strain of a species, or, or could there be different pygmy. variations? Yeah, it could be a pygmy Bigfoot, yeah. But, I mean, with, with not a lot of differentiation between the reports, I mean, it seems like we're dealing with something that's consistent, which, in my mind, makes it seem even more plausible that it is a physiological creature because it is consistent reports. It's not like there's a lot of different variations and changes to it. Right. Um, the only thing that I've really noticed that I would say is different is um, girth and size. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I, I would have to guess, would be based on environment and um the location where the creatures are being sighted, like in, for example, in, in Florida, they're not really described as being seven to eight foot and tall. They're more to five, six feet and tall um, and, and not as stocky built as compared to the Pacific Northwest where they're, they're more considered like timber giants. Um, they're seven, eight foot tall, broad-shouldered, um, very massive in size, barrel-chested. Here in the Northeast, they're uh, described as very tall, thin, uh, lanky, Type of creatures, very aggressive sometimes. Um, so uh, around the, the, the continent, uh, they would describe different sizes, but I think that's a, an environmental factor more than it is a species factor. Uh, that's just a guess. We really don't know for sure. So, but like you said, though, they could be a product of their environment, and it could be no different than you know the way that humans adapt or the way that humans vary from from person to person. You know, some some of us are only five foot two. And 250 right. pounds, unfortunately. And then some of us are, you know, six feet tall and, and, and skinny. So it, it changes from person to person. So why not from Bigfoot to Bigfoot? Exactly. And I think it might also have to do a lot with uh, what's available as far as food sources and water sources. Uh, you may have a, an environmental condition where there's a, a severe drought going on and, and not an ample food supply. And, and therefore, you may have a thinner species of creature living in that area versus an ample food supply, water supply, where you have a, a heavier set creature in that area. Well, it's definitely a, a fascinating topic. I, I'd love to get you up here sometime and, and check out the Bridgewater Triangle and see if we can find some of the uh, the Bigfoot that are supposedly seen in there. Oh, I love the opportunity. I, I'm fascinated by the Bridgewater Triangle and, and the uh, the Bigfoot creatures that are seen up there in the Hockamock Swamp. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely work on on putting something together for you. And... That'd be fantastic. Uh, I was thinking of headed heading to Philly this weekend, this coming weekend. So, oh, okay. Uh, I might come come out to your neck of the woods. Well, if you're if you're heading to Philly, you're more than welcome to head over towards. Uh, I'm gonna actually going to be in um, Central Pennsylvania in the Clearfield area. I'm giving a lecture for uh, a uh, restaurant up in uh, Clearfield, Pennsylvania. Um, they're having a Bigfoot Day up there bringing in a couple different speakers. So you're more than welcome to join me, Matt, if you'd like. Uh, I can show you around this area where we're doing some of the research. And you could introduce him as a as a 
Bigfoot human hybrid, <laughs> like I do. <laughs> the only difference is uh, the Bigfoot creatures are reportedly smell better. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank right. you. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Eric, for joining us, and, and we look forward to uh, also joining you on Beyond the Edge Radio coming up next month. And, and definitely, don't make it another seven years before you come back on the show. <laughs> Guys, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I look forward to very much having both of you on the show with me. And uh, let's keep in touch. And, uh, Matt, the offer's there for both of you gentlemen. If you're ever down this way and you want to get together with me in the field, you're always welcome. Sounds great. Likewise up here. Yeah, up here we'll take you around. Thank you very much. All right. He is Eric Altman. He's the host of Beyond the Edge Radio, Sunday nights, 8 to 10, beyondtheedgeradio.com. Also linked up on SpookySouthCoast.com as well. And uh, also, don't forget, too, if you can't listen live, because, you know, tomorrow night, 8 to 10, Patriots, Ravens, you know, we've got people from all up and down the East Coast that's going to be listening to that. So you can always catch the show on podcast as well. So uh, thanks so much, Eric. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Take care. Have a great Bye. night. You too. All right, uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk with Andrew Graham of the New Hampshire chapter of NEAR about the first annual Northeast Paranormal Expo coming up the weekend of October 6th to 7th in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And uh, we'll see if we can prod him a little bit in the brief amount of time that we have uh, to talk about some of his theories on the paranormal because I've had the chance to, to catch bits and pieces of his lectures here at the South Coast Paranormal and Psychic Fair the last couple of years. And uh, he's a fascinating speaker, and he's putting together a great lineup. So uh, we'll be right back coming into the Halloween season to talk about one of the many great events that are coming up with Andrew Graham of Near when we return here on Spooky South Coast. Stay tuned. Hey man, you up? No. Wake up, I need to talk to you. I think your house is haunted. Hey, come on, it's 2.30 in the morning. I can't sleep in here, man. Scared. Alright, welcome back into the show. Tim Weisberg here, along with Science Advisor Matt Moniz. And uh, we are having a great time tonight with our our two-guest format tonight. We uh, had a fascinating conversation with Eric Altman of Beyond the Edge Radio, and now joining us is another fascinating individual and one of the uh, cornerstones of the paranormal research here in the area, and he's organizing the Northeast Paranormal Expo coming up October 6th and 7th at the, is it the Holiday Inn in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, I believe. Uh, is that where uh, everybody's going to be headed, Andrew? Hi. Sorry, I missed Holiday the Inn in sorry, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And uh, so we'd be chilling at the Holiday Inn, is what you're saying. That's where we're going to be. Like Snoop Dogg would say. <laughs> so, of course, anybody that's ever tried to put on one of these uh, events knows that it is a very daunting task uh, trying to put together something here. But it seems like uh, you've really put together a, a real bang-up of a show. About how long have you been working on putting this together? Uh, well, this has been in the planning for the last, uh, I would say, the last year or so, maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, quite honestly, the, the, the brunt of the work kind of all happened within the last six months, and it's, it's been, like you said, it's been pretty daunting. This is really, I'll be honest, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this, and it's, uh, it's really turned into a heck of a thing. Um, it, 
definitely got bigger than I than I expected it to right off the bat. And then, of course, you you uh, you kind of set things up for yourself to to have this uh, happen every year when you call it the first annual. Yep, absolutely. That's the that's the goal. Is I want to you know I'm going to make this an annual event. We're going to you know I'm already uh, in the matter of speaking. I'm already planning on uh, starting to make plans for for next year's conference as well. Um, in the in the event of getting through this. Now, when you start putting together your guest list uh, and uh, of who you want to have. Uh, did you kind of concentrate? It's called the Northeast Paranormal Expo, so it seems like you put a real concentration on having people that are in the field that are from this area. Well, you know, I, I there there was a concentration of that, and that kind of fell into my lap a little bit as far as getting people from this area being in the Northeast. Um, my goal was more wasn't really focused on getting the people from the from the northeast to focus on this it was more it was more raising the awareness in this area like i i'm in new hampshire and there are paranormal groups in new hampshire and there are paranormal groups in maine and vermont and everywhere else but there you don't see many bit large paranormal events you don't see you see some fundraisers and some conferences here and there small events but uh, nothing ever big that really raises that kind of awareness and let people know hey listen you know this stuff happens up here too so that was more the focus. The the fact that I've got a lot of people from, well, from all over. I've got people coming from New York City. I've got people coming from Pennsylvania. I've got people coming from Maine, Mass, New Hampshire, Vermont, Connecticut. Um, just kind of, again, north, mostly northeast. But uh, I've got guests coming from from different parts of the the states as well. It seems. And uh, of course, you've got uh, Keith and Sandra Johnson, who uh, we know very well here on Spooky South Coast. Uh, Lisa Duallaby, Mike Baker, Cece the Huntress. I mean, these are just some of the names that you have coming. Uh, and you're also making it a, a multifaceted event, too. It's not just uh, coming and, and hearing lectures and, and, and talking to these speakers, but, but you've, got, uh, you've got a haunted tour and you've got a, a ghost investigation going on as well, right? Absolutely. We've got, uh, you know, we, we've, we've really tried to make this as big an event as possible. We've got the, uh, of course, the lectures are a big part of it, but, you know, we'll, we're also going to have two days worth of, uh, of vendors. You know, they're going to be paranormal teams promoting themselves. I've got people that are selling uh, paranormal equipment as well as, you know, psychics doing readings and whatnot. We've got a, uh, uh, we've got a past life regressionist coming up to, to do some group past life regressions. Um, and we have yes, we do have we have a haunted Portsmouth tour that's going to be read. Uh, excuse me, going to be led by uh, Roxy Zwicker of New New England Curiosities, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's going to be doing a roughly two-hour tour of haunted locations in Portsmouth, as well as the uh, the paranormal investigation. We're also going to have a, a banquet dinner on Saturday night uh, with our speakers, so that you know people can come in and actually have a sit down and, and do like a panel Q and A with our speakers with a uh, with a, uh, a nice dinner as well. It, it, it seems like uh, when when people want to discuss the paranormal that goes on in this area, when they want to find out more about it, uh, there is. I'm sure you can go to other parts of the country and sit there and and hear a lecture about the reports that happen in that area and kind of walk away satisfied. But when you come to the Northeast, when you come to New England especially, you want to get out there. You want to get your hands dirty. You want to get involved in it. So the fact that people can get out there and, and either take a tour of some of these sites or, or actually investigate one of these sites, you know, that that's what they want. They want that hands-on ability. Absolutely. You know, that's the, a lot of people do uh, – a 
lot of people do go for that, and, and they really want to do that. I mean, to, to be able to sit and talk and hear stories is one thing, but a lot of people want to experience something, too. They want to be able to, to go somewhere and, and, and capture that voice on tape or capture, you know, that, that one uh, fascinating picture, you know. Uh, so it, it is. It's an opportunity. You know, we'll have uh, obviously we'll have some experienced investigators going out with our groups, and uh, you know, leading them through it and showing them kind of how it's done. And you know, hopefully, some people will catch some interesting things. And and what I like best about this is I've seen you know the prices on a lot of these uh, different types of events, and for the the type of experience that you're providing people, I mean, it goes up and in, upwards into the hundreds of dollars. And it looks like uh, from the website that a, a VIP all-inclusive pass is only $120 and that you can actually get involved in just one day of activity for, for 25 bucks. You can't go wrong with those prices. Exactly. You know, we, we, try to, we try to do our best to, you know, to keep it to a range where, you know, it could be affordable. I mean, you don't, you don't want an event where that's, you know, so expensive that people can't afford to go or, you know, people can't afford to, to be part of it. So, you know, we do have a range of options. Um, you can do, and you can even mix and match if you want to come in and just, you know, you want to do a day of the, the speakers and, you know, maybe down the road during that day you decide, you, you know, you'd like to go and, and do the dinner as well so you can add that in. So we have, we have different ways of doing it. You know, like you said, the one-day one day pass starts at the $25 range and then the, uh, the VIP, which includes both days, the dinner, the either in your choice of the investigation or the uh, or the the haunted tour, um, that's uh, it's going at 120 right now. So we do have that 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 range to try to give you know as many opportunities as possible. Now, of course, uh, there's always the possibility, though, like you said, that when people get there, they want more. You know, they 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 came in on that one day pass and they're thinking that you know. That's all they're going to need. And then they realize, wow, I didn't get to hear everybody that I wanted to hear. There's other topics that I want to explore. There's other people that I want to talk to and other things I want to do. So you are saying that they could always kind of upgrade their ticket at the event itself? Absolutely, yeah. If you, if you, uh, if you decide you want to just get your feet wet, kind of see what it's like, or, or you just decide, you know, you're going to be able to cover everything in one day, and then you decide halfway through the day, you know, you'd like to do more or whatever the case is, yeah, absolutely come see us and, and we'll help you out. Well, you know, you can upgrade it, like you said, um, and uh, you can certainly get the better ticket, so to speak. So it's uh, it's from 8 to 6 p.m. on Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, that's October 6th and 7th at the Holiday Inn in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I know that you know Portsmouth, New Hampshire is a very haunted area. I have a whole book about the ghosts of Portsmouth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Portsmouth is a, is a great area. You know, New Hampshire in general, I'm sure you know, you, you know as well as I do, New Hampshire and even the Northeast in general is just a, is a really – a really hot area for for paranormal activity. There's a lot of history here, and there's just a lot of energy, and it just it, it seems to just keep cropping itself up. Well, anybody who would like to uh, purchase tickets, or, or uh, are you still taking vendor applications as well? Um, at this point, we are just about full for vendors. Our speaking schedule is is completely full. Uh, we may have room for for just a couple more tables here, so it is it is kind of limited. Um, but uh, we're getting close on the vendors. Well, anybody that wants to uh, try to sneak in last minute, Andrew at nearnh.com, N-E-A-R-N-H.com. And if you want to purchase tickets uh, directly from the website, you can do that, nearnh.com, N-E-A-R-N-H.com. And uh, definitely grab your tickets because uh, it's going to be the, the beginning of October, October 6th and 7th, a great way to start working your way into the paranormal season, as we like to call it, the holiday season. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, and and it's a it's a way to kind of have a, a variety of 
information and experience come your way before you uh, get closer to the to the date. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you have uh, places for people to stay if they want? Uh, are you, have you worked out anything with any local bed and breakfasts or hotels? There are uh, there are plenty of hotels in the area. We did have some rooms reserved um, at the Holiday Inn. Um, I'm working on reserving some more rooms there for a discounted rate. Uh, I should know a little bit more about that probably by Monday. Um, there is another hotel right up the street that the Holiday Inn home, uh, owns, and there's also uh, the historic size Inn in Portsmouth uh, that I'm trying to work some deals with right now. So there are plenty of th- uh, options available. Uh, some of them I do already have some deals with, and, and some of them I don't at the moment, but I'm working on it. All right, a couple other things. What about... Uh places for people to eat and how accessible is it from public transportation public transportation is completely accessible um it it is roughly about two miles from downtown portsmouth and it's right off the highway so there's plenty of uh, plenty of buses and cabs that that go through completely um plenty of restaurants in the area there's a lot of accessibility there again downtown portsmouth is roughly about two miles away and there are a ton of restaurants within the city there, that, and some of them are just phenomenal as well. Now, is it required for those who stay at the Holiday Inn that they wheel the TV out? <laughs> that's, that's a poltergeist reference for those that didn't get it. <laughs> yes, if you, if you do have young children and they get trapped within the TV, I hear that there are some little people out there that will help you pull them out. They they, so. they should be signing a waiver that says if your child gets sucked into the TV, then near New Hampshire and the organizers of the first annual Northeast Paranormal Expo are not to be held responsible. We are not responsible for any demonic possessions or any TV abductions. But if you do, then, you know, we want you back next year as a guest. <laughs> That's right. And you can be a speaker even. Yeah. Tell us all about your experience on the other side. How did that work out for you? <laughs> So now, uh, again, that's October 6th and 7th. You can per- purchase tickets at nearnh.com, N-E-A-R-N-H.com. And uh, I, I know we only have about five minutes left in the discussion, and I, I've been promising you that we would get you on here for a full show to talk about string theory, quantum mechanics, and how it relates to the paranormal. So uh, hopefully sometime you can join us uh, to, to talk about that in depth. But uh, yeah, is, is that kind of the guiding uh, the guiding theory that uh, dictates your research these days? Well, you know, these days it's, a, it's not necessarily one that I 100% subscribe to, mm-hmm. and uh, I usually make that disclaimer when I, when I talk about that subject. I find it fascinating. There are some things that, uh, uh, that are part of that theory that do make a whole lot more sense to me than some of the traditional beliefs of, uh, or even spiritual beliefs of the paranormal. I mean, there's there are a lot of things that people have blindly accepted for, for many years as just, you know, this is what it is, rather than, you know, an actual scientific explanation or even a, just a whole other possibility. You know, the, the, the string theorists and quantum physicists have really come down to, come to a level where they can really make some of this stuff make a whole lot more sense than what we were ever thinking. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if it was, is it a, is it a guiding principle? You, you sort of, kind of. You know, I do still have some of the, the the traditional beliefs in my head, but I also I also keep these things in my mind as well. And I do, uh, you know, I do try to uh, try to to do a more research on that and to find, you know, to try to sway myself, find out which way I should be going on that. Because you know as well as I do, nobody really knows the the, the full answer. Nobody knows 100% what the truth is. 
we're all going on theory. So I'm just trying to find out which one works for me the best. And I think uh, it's very interesting for me when I go to like the Northeast Paranormal X. Ex- I'm sorry, nothing. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> South Coast Paranormal and Psychic Fair uh, to see you know yourself and your mentor Keith Johnson uh, to sit, see you sitting there talking to each other back and forth about your experiences and about what you've been investigating lately. And here we have a guy and yourself who is of the scientific mindset and we have Keith who's of the spiritual mindset, but that you're both able to agree on certain things and to respect each other's point of views and principles. And if if the entire paranormal field could be uh, kind of uh, based on the relationship between the two of you, I think we'd be a lot better off. Well, I think, you know, I would agree with that. I I think, you know, like I said, nobody, nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. We're all going based on theory. Now, Keith, does, he does a very, you know, he's a very Christian-based person. He's Christian-oriented. So, you know, and I've had this conversation with him, him and Sandra, when, they, you know, when somebody dies, they believe they go into the loving arms of Jesus Christ. And that's fine. They're not wrong. I'm not right, and vice versa. You know, that's their theory. This is my theory. We're all working towards the same goal, so there's, there's no 100% either way. If more people could get that into their heads, I think, like you said, I think we could all benefit from that. There's everybody's got a theory. Let's kind of incorporate parts of that. You know, I take some of what they believe into into my own investigations, and I hang on to that. And you know, I know that they're taking some of the theories that I'm presenting, and they're they're kind of chewing on those while while they do their thing. So it's neither way is wrong. They're both working towards the same goal. They're um, and you can really intermingle the two and, and, and make them work together. It's not that big a deal. Well, uh, I definitely look forward to having you come back for a full show so we can talk about some of those theories and uh, how we can uh, look at various different approaches to the paranormal. But uh, if you want to find out for yourself firsthand, you can do so by going to the first annual Northeast Paranormal Expo, October 6th and 7th at the Holiday Inn in beautiful Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Vendors, psychics, past life regressions, which of course will be an extra charge, and speakers on all facets of the paranormal, including Cece the Huntress, uh, Keith and Sandra Johnson, Lisa Dualaby, uh, and of course, Andrew, I'm sure you'll be speaking as well. I actually, uh, I'm going to be busy uh, doing the back end stuff on this uh, one. I actually won't be doing a talk this time around. But, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be moving around, and, and I'm always happy to talk to people if they have questions or if they, if they want to, you know, pick my ear for a little while. You know, I, I love it. So people want to talk, I'm, I'll be around. I'll be hanging there. Awesome. And, uh, again, you can get the tickets from nearnh.com, N-E-A-R, N-E-A-R-N-H.com. And, of course, you can get them for as low as $25 and $120 for the full kit and caboodle. So check it out. Uh, head up there. I'm sure Moniz will probably be heading up there, and uh, we, we will definitely expect a full report from him on what goes on. Uh, so good luck with that, Andrew. And it's the first annual, so you got to start working on the second annual the day after it ends. So. That's right. Well, I've, I've started working on it before it even started. So. Excellent. That's the way to do it. You're going to keep right. that ball rolling. Thank you so much, Andrew Graham of Near the New Hampshire Chapter. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Good night. All right. That about does it for the show tonight. Uh, we will be back next week. And I, I really like the new SpookySouthCoast.com, by the way. Uh, Chris Balzano and I have been working on some updates to the site over the course of the past couple of weeks. And uh, we've been able to make it with a little bit more functionality and uh, more closer to what our vision is for the website. And there's a lot more coming up in the future. And 
one of the cool things about it is you can see on the some of the subpages the upcoming guests. You can see the latest video. You have instant access to all these things, some articles that are up there. And so now I can just look at the upcoming guest section and say, next week we'll be joined by Linda Godfrey. And then coming up uh, after that will be Tiffany Rice on October 6th, uh, Jackie Barrett, which is going to be just a chilling show, I'm sure, on October 13th. And coming up on the 27th is the annual Bridgewater Triangle show. So any groups that are interested in getting involved in that uh, spooky crew at SpookySouthCoast.com, shoot us an email and uh, we'll start putting things together and, and figure out where to send you. And let us know if there's a particular area that you would like to investigate as well for that night, the annual Bridgewater Triangle show coming up on October 27th. But before that, next week, Linda Godfrey, I'll be here. Uh, I'm sure that uh, Moniz will be here. Hopefully, Matt Costa will be here. We're hoping. Well, I might be in Philly. Oh, you said you're going to Philly. So maybe we'll just check in with you over the phone. But uh, it'd be nice to have Costa come back. That would be a paranormal experience into itself. So uh, until next week, uh, and I do want to just say before we go, too, uh, that our condolences go out to the family and friends of Father Andrew Calder, of course, uh, who passed away this week after what was a long battle. Uh, but uh, we are glad that he is at rest. Uh, he definitely left a lasting impact on all those who knew him uh, and also leaving a lasting impact on the way that we perceive the paranormal and uh, how aware we are of some of the dangers that are involved in it. So uh, our Godspeed to Father Andrew and uh, our condolences to all of his friends and family. So until next week, uh, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, we want you all to stay spooktacular.